3: We have now come to the part of the podcast where, if you are Patreon, you'll get to listen to how Juliana thinks when preparing a gig, her top secrets on how to find new music, and her... Se- we are super excited to be here today with DJ, producer, singer, writer, artist, and performer Juliana Huxtaval. In this conversation, we speak about her journey up until today and how her passion for learning has shaped her, her view on DJs as entertainers and or soul musicians braveness and being judged by the outside as well as work-life balance and the importance of a good party and so much let's get to it i am amanda
1: and this is playful podcast but is partying a way for you to also feel connected
4: for sure it's it's also um especially here and now new york is actually similar in, in this regard too where the time that you can go out really affords a different experience i think cities where the curfews are a lot sharper everyone has to go to like nine to five jobs i think it encourages like drinking binge, like binge drinking binge drugs and it's like we only have this limited amount of time so we just ah, we need to do all the things now and that i find really that stresses me out i'm just like the idea that like i have to get all of what i want from going out from a party in six hours is so stressful and crazy to me
1: i am so happy to have you play for podcast thank you so much for coming
4: yeah thank you for having me Yay.
1: <laughs> and just uh catching you before you're leaving back to new york again um Okay, we, all, we almost we always start out with asking, if you would describe yourself with three words, what words would they be?
4: Um What would my three words be? Okay. Coquettish,, um, slick, and ethereal.
1: Ethereal what what is it?
4: Ethereal is kind of like like light and like into the air like 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 um you know a butterfly can be ethereal, a like wind spirit can be ethereal, like 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 listening on the water in the ocean can be ethereal.
1: Mm, do you think it has something to do with like sensitivity to like energies or like people For sure.
4: Um But I've also just been feeling, I've been feeling musically also very ethereal. Yeah. Like I I really am into like watery, airy kind of sounds and energy.
1: Yeah. Um, Were you always, uh, because to me, it's something we also talked before we started this about connecting with nature. Is that something you feel like it comes from?
4: For sure. I think, mm-hmm. I think, um, a sense of being ethereal, it definitely comes from nature, from the beach. I'm a water person. The ocean in particular is like, I love being in the ocean. I love baths. I love splashing. I love just like, like running into the ocean naked and like splashing someone that I love. It's like a vibe.
1: <laughs> wow. I'm a little bit scared of water myself. But I also feel that it has some cleansing.
4: Yeah. To it. it. it, Yeah. It has like, it also just lifts because you float in water. Mm. You float in water, even if water, like water on the skin, unless it's really hot, even water that's like the same temperature as your body feels cool. So it has a like calming, cooling effect. I mean, it can also be hot. I do also like hot water, but. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay. But uh, who were you as a teenager?
4: Um, as a teenager, I was, I went through a lot of phases really rapidly. Um, I, uh, was a debater. So I did competitive debate in high school and was really, 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 really serious about it. Um, but as a debater, I was kind of a hippie debater. So we would run like eco-feminism arguments. We would run. Arguments about protecting the ocean, abolishing prisons, wow. like, kind of like, um, and so I was very socially cons, like, like politically conscious. I was, um, I was head of the young socialist in school, um, really intense. I read, I was reading all this feminist theory. Um, so I was really politically active when I was in high school, but then also I had, I was really emo. I loved like Screamo music. Um. Emo. Yeah, Smart that was huge. I mean, I'm from I'm from a a pretty country uh a pretty country town in Texas. And so the musical choices we had weren't that sophisticated. Luckily I had the internet, so like I started to discover So Like, like I remember um I loved Metric and Ladytron, and I was started to get into like electro and electroclash. Um, but really the majority of high school, I was like very emo. Um, and I drew a lot, um, and all of my drawings were really sad. Um, a lot of just like angels with like a bullet going through them, like, and the blood flying and them flying through air or something like that.
1: Wow. Do you, would you say you were a sad teenager?
4: I was there was definitely a sadness there. I was definitely like melancholic. Like sometimes I was happy. Um, Like my friends brought me a lot of joy. Writing brought me a lot of joy and debate, like the debate team, we were like this really close unit. And it's weird because I think most people's idea of debate is just a bunch of kind of like nerds and we were nerds, but we were also just like kind of social outcasts. So there was a sort of like, Subculture energy that we had, like we would all go to shows together and we would, and we really influenced each other in terms of like fashion and language and music and stuff. So it was also kind of cool. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: feels like you are so uh, interested, you know, like you don't only go for the surface of things, but you're like interested to dig deeper and understand things. And I mean, that takes. Obviously a lot of engagement and energy. Do you ever get tired?
4: Um surprisingly of that? No, I think I think that's one thing that I discovered that I really like honed in on when I was in in high school was just like like I love just learning and I and I have learning is a way to also show love and appreciation for something. So it's like if I like music, I need to find out everything about the music I want to find the history I want to find the technical aspects I want to know what the language is the way that people talk about the music or how the you know different sensibilities that people approach it with and so that actually gives me energy I think learning and just having a kind of research mind really yeah it gives me energy and it also makes experiencing things so much more fun like I love being able to it's almost like a game that you can play. I, I do this a lot even with, um, obviously this is true with art, but I think for me, really music, like I love when I can like identify like a sensibility or an aesthetic and understand like, like I love DJs that have a kind of really get into the references and they'll like build one sample and like in how they play the music, they'll stretch that sample out and it's almost like, oh, it's like a mini history lesson like within the set. And the joy of being able to experience the body experience or uh, the bodily um, pleasure of, of music, but also being able to have this like analytical joy is so fun to me. Like that is just, it's like my favorite um, way to experience.
1: Oh my God. You're obviously very smart. Was And I guess school was easy for you.
4: School was pretty easy. Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to music and your musical journey, uh was has that also always been easy for you, you know,
4: and joyful? No. So um I've always loved music. I grew up in a very, very, very uh, religious household and town and And luckily, so I grew up um, Southern black Baptist and so music is a really intense part of the church experience. And so there was always a cultural connection to music that I had, Um, but in terms of making music I always wanted to make music, but I studied, so I studied like, I did classical piano for like maybe 13 years and it was never fun for me. It was always, it it was, it was literally like, um,
1: 13 years and it wasn't fun. It
4: was always like a sport for Mm me. Like it felt there was a reward attached. Like, um, it would feel good to get good marks and a performance, but it was really like this. You did theory test and you had to study a lot for the theory test. And then you would get a score on the theory test and you got a trophy if you made a good enough grade. And then it's like, you learn to execute a certain type of music a certain piece of music, then you go to a competition and you play that in a room full of all these piano teachers that stare at you and they give you marks. And it always just felt like I'm like, it was like a sport. It mm-hmm. felt athletic. Like I'm learning to just exact a thing, but I never felt free. And so I think I, I basically stopped playing piano. Cause when I got to, to college, I remember I had all these friends that were in bands and I was like, wow, they look so free. They're having so much fun. And then here I am just like trying to like do piano rehearsals to play this piece of music that, yes, yeah, maybe sounds beautiful, but it doesn't move me. And so it took a while actually for me to rediscover like my love of music, but also to find ways that I could make music Um and feel like I can express myself and find joy and pleasure and um, yeah, in, in making music.
1: So, like the playfulness of music. And so, do you mean that that came with electronic music first, or
4: how it kind of came? So, I feel like it came in different in different ways, and they mm-hmm. all co- started to coalesce. So, DJing was always I love DJ. So, I started off as the the person i used to live in this vegan co-op when i was in university and we would throw house parties like we would throw whatever it was like everyone wanted to come to the fight their house parties and all of my friends anytime there was a party was like juju has to get on the computer like and i would fill out virtual dj and i didn't think of myself as like an actual dj but i would like really take it seriously and um i i've always I've always loved electronic music since I was a kid, I used to buy the ultimate dance party collections. They would sell those, you could get those at like the mainstream bookstores in my hometown. Mm. Um, and so I would find out, you know, it's like kind of cheesy, like even like Eurodance stuff when I was a kid, I loved. Um, and so DJing, yeah, just became this natural way for me to express myself. And then when I moved to New York, I still didn't take myself seriously as a DJ. I would have never called myself a DJ ever. But then basically like the first time I ever played out, I was, I had this magazine party and I was booking the talent and we just didn't have the budget to book an opening DJ. And so I was like, I guess I'll play some tunes. And then I like from that gig, people immediately started hiring me and I was like, Oh cool. boom. Um, And so yeah, electronic music in that sense was like one Avenue where it was also a way for me to contribute to nightlife. Like I love going out. I love music, but I didn't just want to be the person that's like goes out. I was like, how can I evolve and contribute to the culture? Um. I love that. And then on the other hand, I was doing performance art that involved a lot of video and a lot of poetry. And so I was learning to use my voice. Like it started just writing poems, but then, you know, I would set the poems to music. And even how what's now a band started was. Um, Joe, one of my best friends from New York, we started doing these performances together at his like behest actually. And it would just be like poetry and music. And then it just grew, it grew and grew and grew. And then those two things now have like intersected where I, you know, I make my own music, electronic, like sort of dance music, but then we also have a band. And so now it's this whole world. but it always feels like I'm learning. That's one thing I love about music. It's like it's both joyful, but there's you can there's you can endlessly learn more. Like there's no there's no point at which I feel like you like know everything. I mean, maybe some people feel that way. I
1: Okay, so if you if you could choose to either be taught or teach others, do you prefer being taught?
4: Um you know, I've always had a teacher fantasy. Like for so much of my life, I've wanted to teach, and anything? that still or is a fantasy. Think? Any like anything, like I I wanted to teach literature, especially. Um, And I still have that as like maybe at some point in my life I'll do. But honestly, I love learning so much. Like kind of the way that I advance skills or something like that is I just take lessons. Like I love to, like I take uh, language lessons. Right now, I'm doing vocal lessons. Before, I was doing Ableton lessons. Like, I no just pressure, love, guys. No. I love learning, yeah. and I learned some things on my own. Like, I think some people are like really good at being like self-driven in the sense that like they don't want to even go to a class; they would mm-hmm. just rather be on their own. But I love the power dynamic of. Being with someone who's teaching me information and also wanting to like show them that I appreciate what I'm learning and can incorporate it and synthesize it and stuff. And so it's also about the relationship. I love that. I love being taught by someone is so, um yeah I
1: was just thinking maybe there's no answer to this but where does that come from like how do you become is that something you're born with to be like interested or do you have parents who like motivate you or made it fun you know like
4: um my parents definitely I mean both of my parents have always been very super um super intense advocates for education and both of my parents Mm. were kind of see education as the key to anything whatever you want to do you can you can there's a way to get there you just have to humble yourself enough to just like learn and then the more you learn the more agency you have in whatever field or venture or outlet that you want to move into um but I've always really, really, I just, I don't know. I think there is something that, that I've really loved. I've also always been close to like my teachers. I still have teachers from high school and college and everything that I still keep up with because I, it's, I think it's a form of relationship. Like some people, it's like we were talking earlier, like some people, I think they, the romantic relationship is the primary one in their lives. And they, whether that it's one or whether it's like multiple, like that's the thing that gives them that they derive the most meaning and pleasure from in life. But um, I also love romantic relationships um, and consider myself a romantic, but I also love, and it's even, maybe it's even a form of romance. just a different type of romance. The relationship of like information and knowledge sharing with someone. It's just like, it brings me so much joy. In you mean in relationships, like you're like preparing dinners or you're
1: like coming with a bouquet of flowers.
4: Um, I'm like yes so it's less flowers I'm less flowers than poems person of course like I'm like poetry (laughs) cooking gifts in general I love gifts um writing songs like I love I love a kind of like almost like a historical idea of a romantic of, of a romantic where it's just like we're just like in the park together, like eating something and like reading poems. I love that so much. Um,
1: oh.
4: uh, yeah.
1: I mean, sounds lovely for the partner.
4: <laughs> yeah. Or <laughs> Thomas Thomas sometimes it can be intense. I feel like some <laughs> partners are like, oh, this
1: is a lot. Um, I will. I will. Okay. But if we go back to uh, the music, when you were like... Uh, new in Djing and creating did you have any electronic music role models that you were looking up to
4: yes um I mean I had like a, there was like when I was um kind of like coming up in university and was like really into music blogs like I get that was like really big when I was in university and so i really i immerse myself in music blogs because it was like, it was a form of information sharing, even if it's not like objective, you know, sometimes it's just people talking about their takes on music, but you learn a lot. And there were DJs that I really loved. Like I loved, um, there was this duo, um, called, I mean, they, they actually still make music, uh, but mostly they have separate projects, but Nguzu Nguzu, um, Total Freedom, kingdom they were all new york djs at the time um that were really really um kind of like making new sounds in the under like in, in in a kind of like underground new york and also la and i just thought it was the most sublime thing i ever heard i was like this is so cool and i would like anytime they would play a show i had to get to new york um and we booked Actually, I think all of them ended up coming to Bard because I also booked shows and parties when I was in school. Um, And then when I started DJing, actually, I had a mentor, actually. Luckily, um, DJ Nita, Nita Aviance in New York, kind of like took me under their wing. And they would come see me DJ and they were like, "Okay, you have really good taste, but like you can't be on the computer. They were like, you have to learn how to actually mix. And then Nita would be like, "Come over to my house like next week." And then I would come over to Nita's house and not know what was happening, what not know what was going to happen. And then they would just like pull out decks and put on two songs and be like, "You have to mix it." I love this. Person. And I was like, ah, "I have to mix now," and I would be like so embarrassed because I would be like, uh, uh, "I don't know what to do." And then they would show me like um
1: pushing you to evolve, pushing me,
4: yeah. And there was like it was cool. It felt kind of like it felt kind of like. Um, a sort of like 80s movie or something like a karate kid type movie or something where there's like a video montage where it's like nita standing over me and it's like this and i'm like but then as the montage goes on you get better and better um
0: but mm-hmm. i learned so much
4: uh from nita and also michael Magnan was another new york dj that really took me under and like and um, helped me just learn like the kind of like technique and like the history and so i feel really lucky that there were i had people in new york um that really took me under and were like yeah we want to help you like take this to the next level um
1: amazing yeah do you believe a uh, djing because this is also like a conversation or like a water divider you say that right yeah um that i hear some people Think that DJs are also entertainers, you know, in the sense of like we are there to entertain, meaning like performance outfits, maybe the importance of like perceiving a picture, like, yeah, I guess build a character somehow. And some people believe that it should only be about the, the music.
4: What's your view on it? Um, I mean, I guess, cause I've been, I've been thinking about this l- lately because I, it is, it is a thing that comes up a lot. I feel like it's kind of up to the audience. I feel like if the audience wants entertainment, I think there are people that are fixated on It's like they are coming as much for the spectacle of what's going on on stage as they are the music. Maybe sometimes even more for that. Is that what I seek from music? What I, when I go out to DJ or what I find satiating in terms of my desires that I, that that I, that I come to, to see DJ sets for? No, but I don't think it's inherently. I don't think it's inherently a bad thing. What I, dis, what I dislike is the expectation that that is the singular standard that people should be held to and kind of like scrutinized by because I am not at all like, I'm like, I have a band. When I'm singing in a band, I'm here to entertain you. I mean, even then, it's like, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, that's like a thing where it's like, I'm on stage and it's like, even then it's about the music. It's not like I'm like, a. it's not like I'm, you know, there's confetti guns on stage while I'm singing or something. But that to me is more, makes more sense as like a direct kind of more about the direct exchange of energy. But DJing, especially because so much of it is like, you're synthesizing other people's music sure some of your own but like at least when I'm playing it's like I'm synthesizing other people's music into a kind of like sonic landscape and so for me it's like I'm not there's also so much that I'm doing I think some people also are like they put on a song and it's like you could get four minutes that one song is just playing and they're like You know what I mean? And like, there's people dancing, there's people doing all sorts of stuff of like go off. But for me, I really, the joy is in the, 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 also the, the technique, the actual experience of like, this technology is so crazy. I can take any sound from anywhere in the world. I can take a digital sound, put it into a CDJs and then map it onto these physical parameters that I can like, Play with and manipulate, and you can move this and then cut it out. Like, it's, it's almost like a, it's like a, it's like toys or something, but like, it's, it's really, it's, it's really grand. And just to know that what I'm doing with these movements and my hand and like the ideas, the sensibilities, our aesthetics are like moods that I have in my head is then translating onto this grand system is so crazy to me. Like, I'm not here to entertain, I'm here to do that.
3: We have now come to the part of the podcast where, if you are Patreon, you'll get to listen to how Juliana thinks when preparing a gig, her top secrets on how to find new music, and her secret weapons to success. Go to patreon.com slash playfulmagazine.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Putting yourself out there and evolving as an artist also takes a lot of bravery, because you need to end being in a band and doing all these creative things. It takes... Uh, suddenly people can just have you know comment on anything were you always a person who felt that you were like putting the mission first like you know like uh, or have you been caring about people having opinion about your music and everything do you feel um i mean i care
4: It's for me, it's more of a question of like whose opinion I care about because there are people that I just really respect and their opinion really matters to me. Um, and I think for there was a period in time where, you know, because when you're, when you're just sort of in the periphery of the oven of an underground scene or something, it's like you build your own audience and the audience is just what you build and it's smaller and it's more intimate. And so, you really kind of have the, there's a joy when you first start off, at least for me, when I first started off, where I felt almost kind of always understood, you know, sure there's going to be people that are like, oh, I don't know, this isn't for me. But, but generally speaking, there was so much and I was able to grow in an environment that felt really just generally supportive. And then you kind of start to break out and I'm still in this stage where you break out into um, a, 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 another level of visibility and people make their opinions very, very, very known. Um, and I think also because there's just a, there's, especially with DJing, because right now there's so much attention on it. It's like a culturally loaded position mm. that people just have a lot of opinions either way. And things that, I'm, things that sometimes are surprising to me that initially I would let like get to me, like people will think because I like to like dress up or something, like, oh, she just must be like a...
2: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
4: they already have all these assumptions about what I'm doing, what my relationship to DJing is that I'm just like kind of only here as like a vehicle for like Instagram followers mm-hmm. or something. It's like really horrible misanthropic reads. Um, and there was a period of time where I was really, really, really sensitive. And there's this balance where it's like, I appreciate criticism because criticism was what allows me to grow. And so especially moving here from New York, there's such a specific aesthetic here, sonic, sonically. And there's a different set of standards, like just DJing and nightlife culture is so different here than it is in New York. And so there was definitely like a learning curve where I appreciated um, opinions, even if those opinions were critical, because they help me understand the context that I'm in. Like I would rather like a critical opinion than no opinion. Um, mm. Some people maybe just like don't like critical opinions at all, but, but I, I welcome them to a certain extent. But then I've also had to learn how to try and develop a sensibility to parse out what is just people projecting mm. um, as people are wont to do, especially for something like DJing, which from the outside is just like, everyone's a DJ, mm. you just hop on and press play on a yeah. track. And it's like, uh, there's a lot of stuff involved in it like sometimes I do have a little bit of a like like I I I have to resist the urge to be like actually you know um because even my family they just like so much of my they just like don't understand what I do they're just like oh so you just like drink tequila sodas and like do this while like a track plays and I'm like uh they oh, don't exactly, know. You.
1: They, okay. Not exactly. Oh, but you also mentioned uh, criticism allows you to grow. And I thought, for sure. And I thought that was really interesting because that can make also people who are, you know, as the electronic music scene and especially maybe the techno house scene of it is blowing up right now, like expanding very commercialized. Mm-hmm. I feel a lot of people, It suddenly there's, all these opinions and everything. How how could one like? <laughs> how could one uh, work with that? Would you say? Like, how did you uh, allow for it to to expand?
4: Um, I think initially I was maybe a bit like. Initially, I was like, I was so shocked because, like, this is an example of something where I had to learn really how to adapt, but it was cool for me. So in New York, at least when I was coming up, the kind of like larger underground, like just like the the music that younger people were into was really about wide open synthesis. It was almost like maybe a a comparable moment would be I wasn't there, but the way people describe early house music days where it's like, you can get post-punk, you can get disco, you can get funk, you can get like a little bit of like punk, like it was really just like anything and everything. You can play a sample, you can play a, a sort of like vocal speech and blend that into like abstract noise and then play a bile punk track. And then, and that's kind of what I came up on. And so really sonic freedom was what people, in, was what was encouraged. And I initially, when I started touring, even in, in Europe, I was booked as like a kind of emblem of, just like freedom um and sort of like we'll go anywhere what will she play next and I remember when I first started playing like when I first started breaking more into like playing like techno bubs and techno parties they were like absolutely not people were just like mm -mm, it's just like you can't just come up and play anything and I was like (gasps) What? And just, yeah, I didn't know what to feel at first, but then I, then I enjoyed it because I think years of just being permissiveness being like kind of the framework that I engaged people with. I sort of liked that people were like, no, like we, there's like a very specific tradition and there's like mm-hmm. boundaries that you have to operate in. Like this is how we work. And so I really enjoyed initially being like, okay, adapting. Because in certain ways, like at first, it's like, and I've seen other other DJs that come from similar backgrounds to me, like maybe more experimental, are kind of like open-ended, where it's like, oh, this is just like musical fascism. And there's this like knee-jerk reaction to be like, oh, no, 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 this is just musical fascism. They don't want any difference. Everyone has to follow the rules. And there are forms of it that that are that. But for me, I really liked it was almost like a challenge where it's like how can I find a way to do what I do and translate it to audiences that have a fetish for boundaries instead of just freedom and permissiveness now there's like a set set of boundaries whether it's genre whether it's micro genre because you know in Berlin it's like things get things can get super 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 niched out and it's like how can I respect and learn more about these these kind of like more cohesive boundaries and like histories but still bring what I do and I feel like I'm still in that kind of learning process but that's actually been really fun um like I sort of liked being like maybe it's also related to the teacher fetish that I have where it's like I liked that people were like no I was like no like what I just like, and people would literally be like, "We can like, what will she play? We don't know what she will play. What will she do? She plays anything. If you go online, every sound dream's ever heard is in a set. And so, it's been really fun for me to learn how to be like flexible through adhering to rules. Like it's like, ooh, I like the rules now. Um, but anyway, that that all of those have limits. But I that that's kind of how I learn to see it, and how can I bring. Sort of like my influence and stuff, which I do think are really novel. And I've, I've really worked to develop a very specific sound. How do I make that sound translatable in contexts where they aren't just like do anything?
1: Um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, we spoke a lot about that, you're interested in learning the theoretical practices or theoretical things about things you're interested in but what I understand you're also like very interested in like self-development and like growing and evolving um yeah would you say that has uh been also part to you evolving as an artist or how do you see those correlate
4: um I mean I've sort of like I think I'm at a point in life where it's like the things that I love about. It's like the boundaries between myself as an artist and myself as a person are sort of just like they're like collapsing. Not the public persona aspect of it, but just the kind of like mentality or, or mindset that I approach it with. And so I love like I now just understand more about myself and also as an artist, I just love novelty like, I think that's the beauty of art is that you can create, you can even just through synthesis, even like through DJing, you can take references that have been produced by other people at other times in history and through the kind of process of synthesizing them in a set, you can create a wholly unique experience that feels like <laughs> that the people there. And even to yourself, you're like, wow, I just created a moment that feels completely historically novel And, and I think that the desire for that requires constant evolution. Um, like some people are some people, and I love these people because these people also offer themselves, offer their approach to music as almost like you can study their music and you're studying the history of the music where people are like, I have a specific history period in history or like maybe let's say two or three moments in history where this specific kind of genre of like music and culture emerged. And I love that. And I want to take that specific thing and evolve, but within just kind of continue the thing as it existed before. And I think for me, I'm more so just like, let's blend a bunch of different things together to create something new. And as a catalyst for just like evolution and also to make space for just newness. I think newness, I think, um, novelty is really, there's just like a joy in experiencing that. And I feel like that's almost like a, I mean, this is cheesy. Like, really, I'm like, it's like what being human is about? Ugh, like not that, but just like, it is kind of this gesture that I think really gives that it's, it's a really profound sense of meaning to be able to create novelty in everything that I do. And so I think that that has like gone into myself where it's just like, that's also how I live my life. Where it's like, I just want to constantly be evolving and feel really, like, specific.
1: Mm, you know? Yeah. Okay. But, um. yeah, I feel that the thing you said in the beginning with being, like, airy and flowy, it fits perfect in your view, you know, in how you view the possibilities. It's just so freeing to hear. But if I try to to look at the... Um, if there's any is there anything the backside of it is there any fears you have for the scene that is growing so quickly right now
4: Um, I mean sometimes I fear that if people are just attracted to an image of a thing or a kind of like media representation of a thing but aren't also attracted to all of the things that comes with that, you can have this sort of like bizarre experience. Like sometimes this happens at festivals where I'll play at a festival and I'm like, okay, the lineup is lit. Like you've, like all the right markers are in place. You've obviously done enough to like know how to build the structure for the thing, but then it you get there and it's just like, everyone just feels like they bought a resident advisor presale ticket off of an email blast. You know what I mean? There's no sense of like um, cohesion amongst the people. And so mm. that stresses me out.
1: How can one do that? Would you say?
4: Um, like- I mean, I think people, this is one thing that I like about one thing that I love about um, both Berlin and New York is that, there's a really strong sense of like c- collective, um, identity and, uh, customs and rituals that don't rely on signifying things outside of what's actually happening on the ground. Um, and I think like maybe in, in Berlin, the more literal example can just be kind of, this is one thing I love about Berlin as a city is it's, it's, it's much less Social media is ubiquitous. Everywhere people are online, are are doing are doing the thing and are on their phones. But it really is so much less of a thing here. Like it's like other cities like London and New York. It's like anytime you're living an exciting moment, it's like the phones are out, the lights are on, like floodlights. Okay, even sometimes DJing, I'm like, wow, okay. It's just like everyone's <laughs> phones are just out for the drop. Okay, here we go. Um, Strobe lights. <laughs> yeah, but I love that. But I love that generally there is a sense of we're off the grid. It's just through people that know and have an appreciation for each other. And there's the excitement of building an energy um, kind of like from the ground up. And I Mm. think that that builds more. Just interesting communities. Like I loved in lockdown in Berlin, the forest raves. One All of I the went few. Yeah. One, I know. Like a lot of people were like, I hated that. Um, I really, really, really loved um, twenty twenty. It was like honestly one of the best years of my life. Um, <laughs> I'm blown away. It was um, like I was at forest raves constantly just like, or just illegal raves in general. But so many of them where it's like, we're on the RER for like an hour, an hour and a half sometimes. And you just have a GPS location from some telegram group. And it's like, I don't know, this could be really edgy or like really fun. But there was this sense of adventure and it was completely untethered to like, it's not like I was getting a very clearly expressed idea of an aesthetic and a sound and what's hip about it and what's going on. There was kind of this like, Mystery. And then the rave started happening over and over again. And then you form little kind of like subgroups within the forest raves. And then it's like, you kind of know your people, even if y'all aren't like friends like that. It's like, oh, you again. And then you know what I mean? Even yeah, if you just yeah. get your number and you just share, oh, this lo- looks kind of cool. And it really kind of grew. And it was really, and it was so magical. I would say like late spring through early fall of 2020 was so fun. Um, and I know they still happen. It's definitely not happening as much as it used to, obviously because the clubs are back, back open. But that was an example to me of just like so fun. And I was just like in the forest constantly <laughs> on acid, meeting new people. And there was like these really chic. I also felt like um because so much of the tourists were gone for 2020, I really, there was like a kind of, strata of like Berlin people that I in that I got to interact with and meet that I think I otherwise just we're kind of on different planes you know what I mean because there is this kind of like there's that sort of like expat sort of like Anglophile thing that happens in Berlin that separates itself or can separate itself. And it was so fun to be in like Brandenburg and like someone with like a van with like speakers outside being like, come over. And it's just like, it was so fun. And just like, kind of, um, yeah, super, It felt like an adventure or something every time I went yeah. out. And that to me was an example of just like watching music kind of like raving culture just like blossom, you know, in a very organic, non-social media signifying way.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. I would trade my 2020 to, <laughs> to yours <laughs> any day. <laughs> Okay, but I mean, you have this, uh, this, uh, like, you never, you maybe never mentioned spiritual connection, but it feels like you're very, like, connected to the here and now somehow with the nature loving the earth, you know, and the. um, all this uh, but you also love the parties the polls you know for sure yeah and you also travel a lot at work so what's your view on like um attaining work-life balance
4: um it's always a struggle for me um (laughs) really it's a struggle in the sense that when you when what you do is like i essentially work for myself um and I do things that are also all related to what I already like doing. And so it's hard to strike a balance because it's like, even with, even with the the band, it's like both people, all three of us are also such close friends independently of the band. It's like, we'll be hanging out and then we'll like slip into a band meeting. And then it's like, okay, we're doing the thing where we have a band meeting and we're like, okay, we usually just end up rolling with it. Um But I think like, like right now, because I have so many deadlines that I'm operating under right now, I'm definitely like tipped over into the work side, but I am a sort of like, sometimes I just like, I know once all of these deadlines are done, it's like, I'm partying. I'm partying and sleeping and I'm for like two or three weeks. I'm going to party and sleep. It's going to be great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. But is partying a way for you to also feel connected?
4: For sure. Yeah. It's it's also, um, especially here, and now New York is actually similar in, in this regard too, where the time that you can go out really affords a different experience. I think cities where the curfews are a lot sharper, everyone has to go to like nine to five jobs. I think it encourages like drinking, binge, like binge drinking, binge drugs. And it's like, we only have this limited amount of time. So we just, ah. We need to do all the things now, and that I find really that stresses me out. I'm just like the idea that like I have to get all of what I want from going out from a party in six hours is so stressful and crazy to me. And so I love that I can just be super free and like, um, yeah, like like even this past this past Sunday, I went to see jazz. My friend Sylvia she was closing at Bear Kind. Um, and I have so many deadlines and I was like, I don't know if I should go out, but then I went and it's actually like good for my mental health. Like I, so I, I do like psychoanalysis twice a week and I talk to my analysts all the time where I'm like, it's actually so good for my mental health just to dance mm. Mm, for hours, gosh, I feel to you. be around people I love mm. and just, and, and to have, like, I love having like, I can have 10, 20 hours just devoted to the pursuit of pleasure and joy and bodily expression. It's really great. I think it's, it can go either way. Obviously, people, there is uh, questions around different substances and substance abuse. And there's obviously dark sides, but that's true of anything. But for me, there really is like a deeply, um, deeply, animating and energizing and and health giving vitality inducing way to like go out Um, i
1: completely feel there with you because i have also been in in uh, at some periods in life where i've been like okay now i'm only gonna focus on my project or my work and uh It's been taking so much time to party or be hungover. And always in those times, I felt that I realized that suddenly I'm like a bit depressed. I don't have any creative input. I don't feel I don't have the energy. I don't get started in the morning. But yeah, it's all about balance. But cutting it out to to save time. That's not... It doesn't
4: work for me. No, me neither. It really doesn't work for me. And yeah, it, it also, I feel like it causes creative constipation. yes (laughs)
1: yes 100 <laughs> percent. all right now i have a little thing for you it's called this or that mm-hmm. something we do at the end sometimes or yeah and so i'm gonna say uh, two different words <laughs> took me so long uh, two different words and you'll say which one of them that fits that fits in the most for you Introvert or extrovert?
4: I mean, if I have to pick one, I'm going to say extrovert. Yeah. I have qualities of both for sure. Sometimes I need to be an introvert in order to be an effective extrovert and vice versa. So, um, but yeah, because I'm like a going out person, I'm going to pick extrovert.
1: You're one of the few people who pick extrovert, I feel.
4: I think Very. there's almost like a shame around like even my instinct was like oh I should say introvert I think there's like a I love it. I think maybe yeah there's like a it's there's like this like implication that like being an extrovert means you don't take time for yourself or something like that but I it's like if I pick one for sure like being with people.
1: I also feel there's so much like do you say misconduct about these words because some people are like yeah no but in my in my view Extrovert is a person who's fueled by social interactions, and introvert For is sure. when it's drained. And that's basically what I understand the whole meaning. It's not that you don't like being alone or you know these things. It's just that
4: you get energy from being mm. with others.
1: Yeah. Mm. All right. Pessimism or optimism?
4: Optimism. Yeah. It was <laughs> what a
1: bad question. So that's obvious, <laughs> but that's why it's fun too. <laughs> okay. Twin Peaks or Friends?
4: Twin Peaks easy. Yeah? Yeah. Are you in to sure.
1: do did you rewatch it?
4: Um, okay. I've actually only seen a few episodes of Twin Peaks. I've seen a lot of friends, just because whatever growing up people watch Friends, and I just know even from the little Twin Peaks that I've seen, it's like easy twin peaks.
1: Yeah. Is it the aesthetics when you watch things? And it's
4: like mood? the music, the aesthetic. It's just like more it's also like something, it's like mystery and intrigue it's like there's more questions than answers and so i think it's just more interesting as like a cultural thing versus friends is just like celebrating like normie going
1: going back to uh, the being taught thing yeah (laughs) more (laughs) (laughs) questions perfect (laughs) Perfect. okay fkk or bathing suit
4: bathing suit my amendment is going to be bathing suit but topless just because like I like to be like naked, but make it fashion.
0: Oh, that's also
4: why I love, that's one of the things I really love about clubbing also is like, I'm basically naked. Like here, I feel like it's because it's such an EPCA culture where it's like, even, even if it's not literally you're in like, like by the lake or something where it's just like, people are like, we're getting naked. And I'm like, I'm functionally naked, but fashion. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Love it. Um, all right train or airplane Train. train yeah
4: i love trains trains i always prefer um taking the train i think trains are really like romantic Mm. um and you can just like i don't know trains feel like i really love the sensation of being alone but amongst other people and I think it's similar to being like still but moving. I like these states that are kind of like um, there's like an almost like an antagonism in, in in what the two spaces signify. And in that space, I find a lot of comfort.
0: Mm. And so I
4: love I love that feeling of a train because it's both things. It's like I'm with a bunch of people, but I'm also alone. I'm in my little like in my little world, but then I'm still there is a sense of stillness and peace but i'm moving really quickly so it's maybe it's the best of both world things i don't know
1: but. yeah i think it is too okay madonna or britney spears madonna madonna yeah all right cooking or delivery cooking Drug show or light show light show night walks by yourself or morning meditation
4: night walks by myself
1: yeah you do it
4: yeah walking is how I uh, clear my head it's my favorite thing to do like I do do morning meditation because I it's really good to get the day started but it is a thing where it's like I'm choosing to do this versus Mm. walking it's almost just like I just go with it because it's like like I'll just be like I'll be doing something and I'm just like gotta go for a walk and i'll just get up and do it it's not something that i have to consciously motivate myself to do so
1: Mm. yeah Uh, tinder or meeting at the bar
4: meeting at a bar easy
1: yeah you don't like the apps
4: no i mean for practical reasons i get on the apps um but it's like i have like a fully neurotic relationships with the apps i have like there's like these like pseudo-scientific theories i come up with where it's like they're sucking my libidinal energy away like i'm less of like an attractive in-person irl being because the apps are sucking my energy but then it's like it's 20, 20 30. sometimes it's just what it gives <laughs>
1: <laughs> last one religion or atheism
4: that one i'm gonna have to choose neither because i feel like that's a false dichotomy because i feel like atheism at least as how as how it's like institutionalized and practiced by people is as dogmatic as religion and so i would choose neither of them i think they both have valuable inputs but i would prefer a more open playful approach to kind of like seeing spirituality and like Cosmological and deep spiritual questions and stuff.
1: Mm. Amazing. I wish we had spoke a little bit more about that. But I mean, <laughs> here we are, next time. Yeah, Thank next you time. so, so Thank much. You. It has been such a big pleasure yeah, it's been to so get to you. I love this yeah. so much.
3: This was it for Playful Podcast this week, but please follow, subscribe and listen to our next episode. And if you want to have a say about future
1: artists or even ask your own question to one of our guests, follow us on Instagram and make sure to add your question when we lift our coming guests. Thank you so much for joining and see you next week.
0: Hold up. you